Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by EPM. EPM is passionate about helping their clients succeed. From the very beginning, they set out to be different from other companies. Their diverse team of experts working in a collaborative entrepreneurial culture bring fresh thinking and creative solutions every day. They live and breathe their brand's mission and vision. EPM is all about empowerment and through it all, they will continue to offer top financial service, communication and assistance to the communities they serve. Get connected today by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersarebetter.com. Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. I'm your host, JP Hussey of the Hussey Team Mortgage Advisors. And today I have my good new friend, Allison Thinhouse, not Fedhouse, mm-hmm. uh, C2 Financial. What's up, Allison? Not much. How are you doing? I am doing good. I'm on a roll today. I'm like efficient, like I'm rocking. I spoke to a uh, class of fifth and sixth graders today about our industry. So I'm like, I'm just going nuts like the industry is, right? Um, So where are you located? I'm in Parker, Colorado, which is about 30 miles south of Denver. 30 miles south of Denver. All right, cool. Writing that down. Hold on. I was out there. So I'm I'm from Philly. That's where I am. Um, yeah, what's, what's down South of Denver that I was at? What's one of the bigger, maybe the Denver tech center or Littleton Lone Tree. Uh, either way. I mean, we can talk about this all day, but, um, so that's cool. One thing I've always noticed that everyone out here East always thinks it's always cold in Colorado or around Denver. Right. Right. And it's actually like the same weather as it is in Philly. Like sometimes it's warmer in Denver. That's what I found. But either way, fun fact. Yeah, Um, we get a lot of days of sunshine here. So that's probably one of the main reasons I live here. Even if it blizzards, then the sun will come back out. We get Uh something like 300 days of sunshine a year. So yeah, that's what I noticed when we were there. I'm like, this is great. You know, typical tourist out there with like a parka. And I'm like, I don't need this, but whatever. Um, So tell us uh, a little bit where you're at. So do you have a branch out there? You're a loan officer, but Tell me a little bit about your situation. So I work for C2 Financial. I do have a branch out here and I'm licensed in a few different states. I have seven other LOs that work with me and I help develop their business strategies, um, you know, to kind of fulfill their own goals as well. Mm -hmm. So you're right in the grind. You're originating too. You have seven other LOs. You're mentoring them, helping them. Cool. That's awesome. Um, How is the market out there right now? I think the market is pretty good. You know, all of us obviously have a lot less refinances than we had before, but you know, I haven't been in the industry that long, but people did tell me if you didn't have a purchase business going into this, Mm -hmm. you know, that you wouldn't have a business coming out of it. So Mm -hmm. during that refi boom, I probably gave up some refis to really work on the purchase business. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've really been focusing on that. And although there is probably a smaller pie. There's also a lot less LOs to split Mm -hmm. that with because the people that are left are the professionals left, not the people that took the low hanging fruit that Mm -hmm. did their friends and their family. And it was kind of some easy money. So those people are gone. Mm -hmm. And I also think in the market right now, we have a lot of LOs 
that were hitting it really hard in what we thought was going to be a sprint that turned out to be a marathon of refis. And a lot of those people are tired. They're taking mm -hmm. vacations. They're not servicing mm -hmm. their real estate agents as well as they did before. And so that's providing me and my team a really good opportunity to go in and grab some of that business. A couple of my team members that hit it really hard last year mainly did purchase business. They're actually up in their numbers year over year. So there is definitely a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So you're seeing that directly. That's a bunch of LOs have gotten out or they're burned out, right? Yeah. On vacations, whatever it is. Understandable. I get it. Yeah. Um, I think I saw a stat and I, I, I'm not even going to throw out numbers, but the end of last year, yeah, like a ton, like 30% of loan officers, officers yeah. didn't renew their license. Yeah. You know, and then even going into March, a lot of other people got out. So yeah, yeah, it's certainly getting down, like you said, to the true professional. If you're left, you know, you're hopefully a true professional. So that's cool. You gotta know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. And I, I do think too that there's a lot of opportunities that have evolved in different states. So in California, where C2 is based out of, and in Colorado, um, I think the level of competition is a little bit higher. Like people are, you know, all business about it. You know, we're going to be available 24-7 because we know our real estate agents are out there making offers. So on a Saturday, we need to make ourselves available because that's when our clients are actually working. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of competition in California and Colorado. However, when you go to other states, and sorry if this offends anyone, but Florida and Texas in particular, um, the way that title companies do business, the way that LOs do business there, I think some of them have forgotten who our clients are and how we make money. And so they don't service them as high as we do here. We know if we're not picking up the phone, they're dialing their next loan officer that will pick up the phone. Yeah. And we don't see that as much in Florida and Texas. So when I go into a transaction there and I'm with a borrower and I may not know the real estate agents on both sides, I'm treating that as an interview. And a lot of times I'm taking one, if not two real estate agents who are now going to use me because they've never had that level of service. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's a really good point. So there's just other opportunities in other States that, that don't grind as hard yeah. really, you know, if that's the word to use um, and just like that level of service being available. That's cool. I, I haven't really thought about that. Like I'm the owner of our small shop here. We're PA Jersey and Florida. Right. And, Actually, it's a good point. So around Philly and Jersey, it's very competitive. You got to grind. You got to do what you're doing, right? Weekends, the whole thing, good systems in place, have to cater really good customer service. But I just got a Florida lead today um, from a pretty big agent we just did a transaction for. And I was kind of surprised they came back to me because I don't think they're getting that level down there. Yeah, no. So you're seeing that. Interesting. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's take a step back real quick. I want to learn a little bit more about you. You said you haven't been in the industry that long. So I'd love to know how you decided to get into this industry and when, if you could give us that timeline. Yeah. So I've been with CT. This is my fourth year. Okay. And I was with a small brokerage shop a year before that. And I came from actually retail, the equestrian industry. I own my own business. I sold on eBay and Amazon and on my own website. Um, but it became pretty apparent that it was going to be super hard to scale. Mm. Um, but I had done it for a number of years and I think it's super hard to out Amazon, Amazon. They have a very good business model that is sure. kind of absorbing a lot of the margins. And that's a very 
intensive um, industry money-wise and all the inventory that you have to have. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought for a long time, what did I want to do if I was going to reinvent myself? And I didn't really want to start over because I had 13,000 clients across the United States and world. So I definitely wanted to go back into those clients. And my husband and I came down to, I probably would do real estate or I would be a mortgage broker. Mm. And a few of my friends were real estate agents and they're like, well, why don't you be a mortgage broker? Because then we could all use you. And that's kind of how I just stepped into this. Um, and I used kind of the same network that I had before. I mean, a lot of my LOs that are starting out, I always say that don't reinvent the wheel. Don't reinvent yourself, mm -hmm. whatever things that you're interested in. So I obviously was heavy into the equestrian industry. I travel the United States with my 11 year old daughter and she shows oh. competitively. And nice. so all of those people that I see all the time, those are all my potential clients. So I'm constantly, even if I'm going to support my daughter, trying to see if there's any business everywhere we go. So, you know, we are always on all the time looking for business and doing business. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I really like I said that like a lot of people get into this industry and think they have to change like yeah. who they are. Um, and I agree with you, you know, um, uh, like I'm heavy into sports as well. And, you know, everywhere I go, you, you yeah. can talk about what you do in some way, shape or form, but you don't have to sell out yourself just to be in the mortgage game. Right. And it is kind of like a, just another widget to you kind of, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, obviously different from, from what you're in, but not really, you're just being who you yeah. are. People are doing business because they like you. Right. Some of the biggest business that I have gotten is actually from a book club. I joined two book clubs oh, wow. to be around people. One of the book clubs strategically did have a real estate agent that owned her own brokerage firm. Um, it took me six months of showing up to that book club, drinking and reading a book I didn't have time to do during the <laughs> refi boom. And we became friends. Um, she also has horses. So there's a lot of commonality there. And then she started using me. And then her other agents started using me. My husband is also a real estate agent. So okay. he works for that firm as well. So um, hopefully they'll never get rid of me now. Um, and then my other book club, you know, I ended up refining everybody that was in that book club and mm. some of their friends. And so just that networking of things that you normally do, if you're, you know, a mom and do this part time and you're involved in PTA stuff and everything like that's your client base mm -hmm. that you want to go into. Mm -hmm. And I think you're most comfortable at that. Or if you go to church, I mean, again, that's a network of people. If you're going to help people, you might as well help people you know, that, you know, and that they can trust you because not everybody in our industry comes off as trustworthy or doing the right things for their clients. I mean, really me and my LOs see ourselves as advisors. Mm -hmm. It's my job to give my clients the options and to educate them on the different intricacies of making this decision because they don't do it for a living. But ultimately the final decision is theirs based on their lifestyle, what they find important, what they value. And that might be different than what my personal decision would be. And I think we try to keep that very clear that we are always doing what's best for our clients. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, very, very well said, uh, same type of thing. I'm involved in baseball right now. I'm big in the local team and I, I'm just thinking as you're saying this, I'm like five, six, seven, eight, like parents or families that we've helped yeah. um, just because they know what we do. I might sponsor something and it kind of just comes. The big thing too is when you're dealing with people that you know that 
local. I know we have other states, but locally, like you have some skin in the game here. Like yeah. even like uh, subconsciously, like you have to do the right thing no matter what, because you're going to see this person, yeah. you know, and, and your reputation could be a risk if you don't work hard for somebody. Right. Yeah. And that's why there can be some disconnect from a not ad, non-advisor type loan officer uh, at a call center, so to say. Yeah. They don't have that skin in the game. And I think that puts the fire on us to be able to do it. So yeah, well said, no doubt. I do do think like ultimately the buck stops with us. So, you know, we're kind of like project managers of the loan, right? Because we're reaching out to the title people, to insurance, to the appraisers, but ultimately the buck stops with us. So if something happens that our borrower does not like, we will fix it. Even if we didn't make the mistake, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't our cost to incur, because we're really not in this for the transaction. Mm -hmm. I'm in this for every loan. So when we get a client, I want to make sure that I do every single loan you ever have for the rest of your life, every friend, every family Mm -hmm. member, if you hear of anyone that wants a loan, that's my ultimate goal. So I think because that's my goal, I don't think about how much money we're making on this transaction or that transaction, or if I take it to this bank, I can make more money. We're really after what's best for our clients because we want them to come to us as advisors and know that we're going to shop for the best deal for them. That's why we're a broker ultimately, mm-hmm. and that we're always going to do the best thing and that they can you know, then refer their child for their first home that knows nothing about purchasing and not worry that we're going to be a predatory lender or put them in something that is really not in their best interest. And so we try really hard to always focus on that for every deal that we do. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it goes back to what you said in the beginning with, uh, uh, a lot of fly by night, maybe LOs getting in when rates were super low kind of quick get rich scheme type thing. Like you're like, no, this is a long-term play. Yeah. Not worried about making it right now. You know, it's about getting them all. And this is a career for you. A yeah. lot of people got in. It wasn't really a career. They were just getting in order, taking and go. And like you said, just being that advisor and you're in for the long run, you know, yeah. it's great. Um, that's cool. So you've been in the industry about five ish years. Yeah. So to say, okay, cool. Got in there. Seven LOs, right? So um, you got in, let's say C2, right? About four years ago. Um, Most of your LOs, did they come to you? Are they friends of friends? Are they like, how did you recruit them? Yeah. So some came directly to me and then some came through C2 um, and they were all new. And so C2 then will pair them with someone that can help them um, navigate their way through the process. And so all of my LOs are green, brand new. And I think for them, like two of my green LOs last year, one did 10 million and one did 13 million their first year, which I think is pretty amazing for them. Um, And so, you know, I think C2 is kind of set up pretty well. You could go in and just work for yourself if you know what you're doing, but you can also work for someone else if you want to do that, or you can build your own branch. So you kind of have you know, whatever works for you basically, or what your goals are. Yeah. C2 is a very interesting because it's one of the biggest broker companies, right. In the country, I would say. Um, And really one, probably the first big broker compared to some of the other ones, if I remember correctly. Back in the day, for sure. I mean, they were one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, you don't have to get into crazy detail, but 
So you, how many uh, lenders do you guys have? I would think a ton, right? We have over a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Over a hundred. Um, see, I'm a very small, like, I mean, we have four or five employees, right? Yeah. So it's different, right? It's just a, a different flavor. Um, you have your LOS and then obviously every lender is different for the situation, but you can shop the best, like you said, yield for the client. Yep. Um you have a very, is it a proprietary type LOS system? No, nope. you, you okay. actually can use whatever systems you want. So cool. each of us can be our own small broker shop or have people underneath us. We personally use Arrive. Um, I came cool. from Calix originally, and then they stopped importing Mismo 3.4 files and I used Flow right. Finals. Like I cannot do yeah. these by hand, but I yeah. can't try to learn something else right now. And we were just kind of forced to do it. And now that I've gone there, I would not go back because Can. it allows us and our processor to all be on the same page, know what know what's going on in the deal. You can also pair that with Bonzo, but we have people on lending pad. I mean, you could do okay. whatever you want. Oh, just I was just wondering how that yeah. worked. Like we have lending pad, I've I've seen arrive. I just haven't flipped over there. But yeah, yeah from Calic to arrive, I mean, that's like two different worlds. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a game changer. Yeah. yeah, no, there's no doubt. No doubt. All right, cool. So just want to know a little bit about that. Um, if we talk, if we talk a little bit on some operation side of it, just to know you personally, what works to yeah. help other people. You said you have Arrive, uh, yeah. Bonzo, right? That's more of a yeah. CRM. That's an AIM partner, I think. It is. And they will work together um, if you want them to, or you cannot do that if you don't. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, all of us have learned something probably from every refi boom. Some people have been in this longer. I've learned a lot. If I had to do it over again, I would definitely be able to do more loans. So we're trying to employ a lot of those processes to streamline things. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm mainly referral based, but this last year when we knew business was going down, I used wow me to make a whole bunch of advertising videos. Cause that's not my niche and I don't really have the time to do it. Sure. So in about four hours, they recorded everything for me. They did headshots. They made my website, but they also recorded milestones. So mm -hmm. at different parts of the process, I have a milestone video for my clients and I have that embedded into my emails in arrive so that when we get to different sections, like, um, it's gone into underwriting. I just click, it's gone into underwriting. Right. It goes out to my real estate partners on that deal, plus the clients. And it has a video that they're mm -hmm. seeing that I can make sure is going to be repeatable so that I make sure as we scale that every client is getting the same experience from start to finish so that I can make sure that I'm always getting a five-star review. And by doing that, each of my clients feel like they're getting one-on-one -on -one attention. I'm yep. making sure that they know what's coming up next, but then it's also so automated that it took the time to fly out to California to do this, but now it's repeatable and I don't have to do it again and again. And that's kind of the whole idea around Bonzo because you can have these different buckets of clients, my clients that have not filled out an application that I'm still trying to get, my mm -hmm. clients that have already done a loan that might be refi or HELOC candidates down the road, um, my clients that have filled out an application are approved, but they're still shopping and I can make campaigns targeted to them where I can send one text and it goes to that entire bucket of clients. Nice. So I think doing economies of scale while not losing, you know, what we're offering them by making it repeatable with the same value. Yeah, no doubt. We do a similar thing with, uh, with uh, Flowify and, and yeah. lending pad and what we have. Um, I like to call it personalized automation, right? 
Because yeah. almost, all, I mean, a lot of clients have the same questions. They're going to have the same type of milestones. So with them getting that video with those six to 10 milestones, it feels like it's going to them, which it is, but you don't yeah. have to keep doing it, doing it. So I, yeah. I like to call it that personalized automation. And if you're not doing that right now for everyone listening, like it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Just put a little bit of time in front. Like you said, four hours, whatever yeah. it was. And it's just saved you so much more time. You know, your real estate agents, I know mine love it. They're just yeah. like, oh, thanks for the video. That's great. And now they're not bothering me with stupid questions. You know, they know where we're at. We're good to go. Yeah. You know? And even if you want to do it for free, as my daughter, who's 11, has told me, you can go to Amazon, buy a ring light for like $20, which will make you look really good and lit up. Um, you can actually attach your camera to it and it has a little button that you can push. And then you can also buy microphones that are very cheap as well, like $50 to make you sound really good. Mm -hmm. So it's not really going to cost you that much money if you don't have the money to go spend doing mm -hmm. something at Wow Me. Um, but even that was pretty cheap when mm -hmm. I thought about the professionalism. You have hair and makeup and stuff like that um, compared to some of the other alternatives. So. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you can get this done. So everyone saying they have to do this, like there's so many options to do it. Yeah. Even, I mean, iPhones are just so, or any phone, yeah. smartphones are so good nowadays. You can, you can just do something. It yeah. doesn't have to be crazy. Professional is good and a little bit different, yeah. but just have something, please. Yeah. People. Have something. Cool. Um, I know we talked a lot on mindset a little bit. I want to jump in here though, because I have something written down. So a mantra, right? Called go giver. Right? Yeah. So what's this come from? Tell me a little bit about it. Everyone's got yeah. some mantra. I want to hear yours. It's a very short book called The Go-Giver, and unfortunately, okay. I don't remember the author right at the moment, but it's probably a 100-page read, and I would recommend it for anybody in this sort of industry or in sales in general, okay. and it's literally how we lead our life, um, and they talk about, you know, it would be the difference of working with our real estate agents, and we go to our real estate agents and find out what their pains and pressure points are and how we can help to help their business. And by helping their business, it's going to help our business. And we right. do the same thing with our clients, right? If we help them get the best loan, then we're going to make money because of doing that versus, and we all have account reps like this, right? We have account reps that call us and help us get our hard deals done. And they help us with, um, you know, guidelines and how we should be able to do this deal. And then we have other account reps that call and are like, Hey, do you have anything for me? Uh -huh. Right. They just yep. have their hand out. So it's the difference of if you help others, that that is going to come back to you and you're going to be successful because you do that versus having your hand out and just asking for something. Right. Mm -hmm. When you put that out there, you're going to put out this abundance that is going to come back to you versus just having your hand out and being like, what are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? Mm -hmm. um, and we've become very successful by doing that. So if we put the time in and the effort to helping other people come back and every once in a while, it obviously does not, we have yeah. takers in that relationship, but for the most part, that's how we've been very successful. And, um, I think like in the first year that I was a loan originator, I did 12 million. And then I came over to C2 and I did 44 million that next year. So, uh, for, you know, 100% increase. That's a huge amount with no advertising, just in referrals. And I think you only get that when you really have that mantra with clients. Oh, there's no doubt. Um, I mean, it's, it's a karma type thing, right? Yeah. 
um, always doing the right thing. Uh, we were in a, I have a, a 11 year old boy as well. I think you have a daughter. He said, yeah. and today we were just at their class, fifth and sixth grade, trying to explain mortgages, which can be tough. We had some good mm-hmm. skits. Um, but a, a, a big thing we talked about was just whatever business you're in, like always do the right thing. Like always, yeah. always, always. And especially now in an industry where unfortunately there's, there is some desperation. You're yeah. going to, you can see some weird things. People aren't doing the right things. Like, don't get caught up with that. Do the right thing. Yep. You know, karma, go giver, and it's going to come back. Like, so I totally agree. I've seen that in my my career. And it's a long term, it comes back to being a long-term play. Yep. If you want to be in this, do the right thing and and it can support your family for many, many years. So no doubt. That's great. I'm looking at the book now, written by Bob Berg, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Super quick read. Yeah, yeah, I'm on Amazon right now. I'm gonna buy that. Probably get that for for myself and and the team as well. Yeah, but thank you for that. That's cool. Um, another thing I was looking up because it, this one's kind of funny because I've mentioned on this podcast before with others um, the power of no. I've preached that like <laughs> like the power of no can sometimes you know create more opportunities, which I'm yep. sure you agree. In certain situations yep, for sure. Well, you're, you're talking about the power of yes, yep. which I'm like <laughs> totally blown away by. We're so gonna do the opposite. That. I think for me, the biggest difference between my LOs that say are yes people and no people is the difference between success and not. Mm. The word yes opens more doors, and a lot of times no closes them. Mm. So I'll give you an example. When I was starting out the first year in business, I had a client call me and they had a loan that they wanted to do for $150,000, but they had 16 REO properties. Mm. They had called four banks before me. And this was right before the refi boom. And no one wanted to do it because everybody knows how much work that is. Right. And they're thinking about how much they're going to make on it and that they could go do a couple other loans in the meantime, it was a lot of work, right? Because we we're going to have to get insurance, taxes, HOA, and mortgage statements if they had that on them. Um, I said yes to that when other people said no. I did all of the work. I actually turned that $150,000 loan into a $300,000 loan by consolidating some of his other things and putting him in a better situation. But I got referrals in excess of $3 million from saying yes to that. Nice. Nice. So I think a lot of times, you know, I kind of built my business and unfortunately my reputation sometimes precedes me that I can do very complicated deals because I will say yes to them. I'll go hit the phones and call my lenders to find out who can do that. Um, I'll look through all my guidelines to really understand that. But because I've said yes to those, now I have so much more business because I understand my guidelines better than a lot of other people that think that they can do a loan and then they can't and they get stumped. Anybody that gets stumped of any of my real estate agents where they didn't have a choice of where, what lender they were going to use, they're like, oh, call Allison. And then they're like, in 15 days, can you close this and figure out this deal? And it's just all those yeses have added up that I've become the go-to person versus a lot of my LOs where they get a hard client and they're like, no, I don't want to take this person. It's not worth it. And it's like, but you haven't closed anything this month. Like, mm-hmm. don't you want to make a living? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we find that those yeses add up to a lot more. Yes. I'll look into that. Yes. I'll make those calls. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll do that. And then as you do that, it just keeps building on itself. One of the LOs that came to me, that was one of my green LOs that did 10 million last year came from 
Sierra Pacific Mortgage. And it was during the refi boom. And she had started out and her bosses had told her like, quit bringing us these bad deals. We want Mm -hmm. 740 credit W2. And she told him, but this is all I'm getting like self-employed, you know, they're in the 600s and they wouldn't do those deals for her because they're like, we don't have the time to do this. Just go take the gravy off the top, go back out there. And so when I first met her, um, we really had a lot in common because that's how I started out, right? It's hard to get business from someone that has an established relationship. It's easy to get business if you're like, hey, when they have a deal that they can't do, why don't you give me a try? Because that's already a no for them, right? And now I'm saying, yes, what do you have to lose? And that's a lot easier ask than asking for the whole enchilada. So when she came to us, her first two deals were hard. Her second one was like an amount Everest of, I don't think there were very many people that could do that. And Orion did it and we got it done. And I told her it's not going to be pretty, but we'll get it done. But no one else could get it done. And we prefaced that ahead of time. But after she got that, guess what she has now? 740 W2 clients mm-hmm. with you know 20% down. But she wouldn't have gotten to that with those real estate partners if she hadn't said yes to mm-hmm. the crappy, hard loans to begin with. And that just was kind of her path. So it's the same individual with the same talent at two different companies, but just a different mindset, right? They said no, and I said yes. Mm-hmm. And that unlocked you know, a path for her. Yeah, and it's also the the beauty of uh, being a brokerage as well, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why being a broker in today's world, I mean, we're set up um, just the best way possible because you, you're more confident even saying that yes. Like you said, you have an outlet for it somewhere. And I totally agree with your power of yes. My power of no, which I think you might agree with, is more about protecting people from their from themselves sometimes. Yeah. Not definitely not the loan portion, yeah. but sometimes something's not right for someone and you have to tell them it's it this doesn't seem right. Yeah. That's more my power of no, yeah. you know. So I get it. I'm with and you. And we totally. do know it yeah. takes three no's on average to get to a yes. On yeah. average, the human being can only say no three times. Our kids know that very well. So oh, yeah. Yeah, I could. Yeah. And I have a six year old daughter, too. I, I don't think I've ever said no to her. <laughs> yeah. That's My boys, they get a lot of no's. But either way. Um, yeah. So. All right. We're 30 minutes in, which is great. We're doing good. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is because you seem very busy, right? Like yeah. myself, uh, we've talked about the video portion of it. Right. But how else are you staying efficient? with this more and more volume that, that you have coming in, you have seven LOs. What are some other tips you could tell people out there of how to, you know, simplify, be efficient with their process? Cause mortgages are complex and crazy. So how can you have a little bit of work-life balance? Yeah. So I think a couple different things. Um, one, if you're waiting to invest in technology, cause you feel like it's really important I think that that's the first thing that you should invest in. So like you use FlowFi, we used to use FlowFi. I think those things are super important so that you're not having to redo work. You know where you're at all the time. And yes, you might be able to use a free version, but for $40 a month, you can use a really robust version that can be like two of you. So for example, FlowFi, when we ask for documents and Flowify from our clients, you have a virtual assistant that's reminding them and you're not having to do that. And even in the beginning, if you feel like you have time, if you're taking the time to do the processing work, which is what that is, it means that you're not taking the time to do the sales work because you could do that in the same amount of time and be more successful. So 
it's a way before you have money to hire assistance by um, investing in technology mm. that I think that you can grow that. I also mm. think it's really important to partner with like-minded people. So partnering with an insurance agent, making sure that you have a processor that you know is going to work with you for both of you to build your business because for your processor to be successful you have to be successful mm -hmm. um for your processor to be successful you need to not be processing your loans you need to be getting more loans and that means not being behind your computer it means being out on lunches with real estate agents because people ultimately do business with who they like who's mm -hmm. in front of them who's made a relationship i mean there's not very many lunches that i take a real estate agent to that by the end of the lunch after i've gotten to know them i've asked how i can help them that it doesn't roll around to well i have this client and maybe oh. you could help him um so I think partnering with good people, I mean, we know even for my insurance guy, they might have their own insurance guy and that's great. But the people that don't, the time that it takes for them to find someone like that, I have an insurance broker, he can shop everyone for them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them those leads as well. Those people know how I work well. It takes me a lot less time to get the insurance from them. So partnering with people that are all have the same mentality as you is just going to make everything go smoother. Your clients are going to be happier. You're going to be more efficient. So you can spend more time, you know, either getting more business or spending it with your family. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately we need that because I've seen, Hey, I've burned out in this business a few times, right. In the past. And you can't let that happen. Like yeah. you're, you owe it to your clients and your partners to always be there and refresh. So you have to invest in that and get some time back. Cause it's ultimately only going to help out everybody. That's yeah. what I try to say. So that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad uh, you're figuring that out and, and constantly evolving. Um, I always end with, with two questions that I'm sure you'll get talking on. <laughs> um, so we'll start with number one. If you, because this is kind of good for you to talk about, actually. If you are brand new to this industry um, or you're trying to reinvent yourself, right? You, you came from uh, a different, a retail to the broker world. What are one or two things that you should start doing right away? I get technology, but what are some other things, whether mindset or whatnot, that you should be doing? I think get a mentor is first and foremost. So even me coming here, I had a mentor and that mentor was much more successful than I was. And it allowed me to think about my business in a different way of how I was going to get to 12 million to 44 million. And it really was his mentorship, his name is Ahmad and he works at C2 as well. And I kind of just met him randomly at a C2 connect, but we're still friends now. We still bounce stuff on and off each other. And now that I've been in the business longer, I can contribute back to him. But I think learning the mindset of those that are successful, it kind of allows you to not have to go through, you know, the hard knocks route to get there of making mistakes and trying to figure it out. They can kind of give you the key to the puzzle and it will make it so much easier. Mm. Um, and then I think the other thing is just definitely investing in technology right away for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's so much of it out there, like use it. Like I've been in this 12 years and I remember we didn't have anything like this nowadays Yeah. Um, and things, and, and we live in a fast world, even 10 years ago, it wasn't even close to this fast. So you have to invest in the technology. Totally, totally uh, uh, agree yeah. with you there. Um, and then last question. Uh, the next three to five years, predicting the future a bit, where do you see our industry at in the next three to five years? Oh, I've actually not ever thought that far ahead about it. In advance um, or, or your market, like where do you just see things going? 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do definitely think we're going to hit a recession. Obviously, we're probably already partially into it. Sure. Um, I do think at least in our market and some of the things that experts are saying overall, you know, people ask, is it going to be like 2006? Our house is going to go underwater. But especially in our market, we just don't have enough inventory. And I don't see that rectifying itself anytime soon. Mm -hmm. There's just no way that builders can even build enough inventory in a and also Colorado's population is supposed to double here. Wow. Um, some other states I know are losing um, some ground on that, but just of the families that are going to be families going into housing, the population is outgrowing. Even if we're on full bore creating housing, there's just gonna be a housing shortage. Yep. So I do think that that's gonna be good for us and provide a lot of opportunity. It seems like, especially from people I've talked to that have been in the business a lot longer than I have, yes, we have a market shortage right now because a lot of people like me have a two and a half percent interest rate. I don't really want to buy anything I new know. because I can't even get the same for near to the same price. So that's creating part of the shortage. But usually as the cycle goes, especially with inflation, what's happening is, you know, before we had a refi boom, people cash out their HELOCs, refinance, paid off some debt. But now that we're inflation, they're actually racking up that debt again. Yep. So at a certain point in time, the logical next step for them is going to be to do a cash out refi again, because even though they had maybe a two and a half, three and a half percent rate, a lot of those credit cards are going to be at 19%, 29%. So their blended rate is going to be a lot less. Plus they can write off the interest on their home, on their taxes, where you can't on your credit cards. And a lot of those credit card payments are going to start bearing down on them. So we're going to be able to save them three $400 a month by combining all their debt and typically stuff moves in this cycle. So once that happens, now they're going to have a higher interest rate. You know what? It's really not going to be as big a deal for them to sell and do a move up, a step up in home. So mm -hmm. I think we're kind of, kind of go through that same cycle that we have in the past. Yeah. And that's why this is a long-term play, right? We yeah. tell a lot of people, I'm sure you had these conversations like, yes, rates are a bit higher. Your, the affordability is maybe a little, or it's it's not as good for you. It's a little bit higher. But listen, I'm with you for the next three, four, five, six type of moves that you do financially, right? You get it now. The next time we, we'll, we'll fine tune it. If rates do get lower, if not, we'll go this direction. So that's why staying with your clients, long-term play, being an advisor mm -hmm. and not some, you know, just order taker, actually advising clients and their family is only going to go the right way. And I agree with you. If we have a tough time now, what always comes after a tough time? A really good time. So, I'm And a lot of our savvy investors are getting back into the market right now as well, because what they know is we'll eventually go through another refi boom. They're going to get this property for a pretty good price with less competition. They're not paying 40, 100 grand over, and then they're going to refi it like they did before and make that investment into a cash cow. And they also know that during inflation, your money, your cash your money in the stock market is burning right now. So every second that we have that, now you have 99 cents on the dollar, 98, 97, it just keeps going down. That during inflation, you want to invest in tangible goods. And of course, um, the property market is perfect for that to be able yep. to make sure that you're not burning your investment on inflation. No doubt. Perfectly said. Well, Allison, it was uh, nice to meet you. Um, the great information. Uh, of course, if you ever need anything from me, hit me up and I hope I can do the same with you. Of course. Thank awesome. you for having us on. Yeah. Thanks, Allison. Bye. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? 
The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Get healthcare for your team, submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait and sign up today at brokersarebetter.com. 